0: Well, good morning my church. How are you guys this morning? Good to see you. This is the fun group. You're the rowdy group. You've had two cups of coffee. My name is Christy. If we haven't met before, I belong to the crazy guy, Jeff, who is sometimes up here. This week, he actually had me on an inner tube behind his truck. Granted, most of the snow had melted. He's like, we don't need snow. We just need hard, frozen ground. He's from Miami, okay? So if you are from Miami, you only need, like, a snowflake to go outside and go sledding. I'm screaming my head off. I'm like, Baby, nothing has changed. Every year I've been married to you, I have cried because you scared the daylights out of me. And I I think it's going to continue to be the same. So my name is Christy. I'm honored to be sharing with you. We're in a series called um, Giants, called Walking with the Giants, Running with the Giants, actually. Um, The premise is this. And before, well, before I explain the premise, let me say this. We are so privileged at my church. I don't know if you realize that, that we walk and run and live among some real giants of the faith. And I don't say that because they're great men and women. I say that because God has done some crazy miracles with the people who call my church home. I mean, like stories that you thought there could never be a good ending to that. And God has completely redeemed and transformed. I hope you come back next week for our nine-year celebration because you're going to get to hear some real-life stories of people just like you that you think, how in the world did God ever turn that around? He did and he can, and there are people sitting around you that he's done it for. And so our hope and our prayer is that you can cling To one of those stories, I sat after the first service with a young girl who's like, help me. My husband's on drugs. He went from being like dad of the year to like doesn't even know who my children are. And what do I do? And a a woman sitting right behind us said, here's my number. Baby, I've been there. Here's my number. You call me. You come to my small group. That's what I love about this place is that we walk among some giants here. Go ahead and get the band's autograph because they're going to be famous someday. There are people on this stage, they play in front of 20,000 people. They play in front of 200. They play in front of 20. All the same. They love Jesus. God has transformed their lives. And we are blessed to live and walk among some of the best of the best. Not everybody has that. Some places you go, you think you have to have your act together before you walk in. Not here at my church. And so this series is about encouraging your heart by looking at real life stories of people from the Bible. We're blessed that we have some real life stories here and now, but we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, which is kind of the hall of fame of the Bible of real people in real places who God pursued and chose and transformed their lives. And here's the interesting thing. If you read Hebrews chapter 11 ever, this is just kind of good for us in the here and now to know everybody's life could be summed up in about two or three verses. Do you realize that someday your life is just going to be a story? It's just going to be summed up in a few little phrases of a story. I don't say that to, to discourage you. I say that to encourage you. How do you want your story to be told someday? See, some of us are in a place. Of life, where we're looking around at our story and we're not real happy with the way the story's being written right now. Anybody feel that way or been in that place where you had dreams and you had goals and you thought all of these things were going to happen, and you're looking around and like life isn't turning out like I thought it was going to turn out? I want to say to you today: Hang on, don't give up. There is more possible for you than you could ever ask or imagine. And God isn't finished with your story. So we've been looking at these people who lived life like us and struggled through life like us. And God came through and was faithful to them. And we've been using their stories as if we they could like literally come out of heaven and sit with you and have coffee with you. Today we're going to talk about a woman named Rahab. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, there's only a few women mentioned. She's one of the women who is mentioned, and guess what she was known for? She was a prostitute, all right? If God can use her and turn around her story, he can turn around any of our stories. So if we could sit and have coffee with Rahab, we're going to talk about what Rahab would say to us if she could say, hang on. I was a prostitute. I went from being a prostitute to being the grandmother of Jesus himself. All right. If God could do it for me, he could do it for you. Will you pray with me and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, we know that there is nothing we can do apart from you. God, some of us, we're in a season of life where we look around and our story is not going the way we had hoped. So God, I pray that this morning you would give us hope. You would remind us that you are working things out for us, even when it doesn't seem like it. We love you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts in your name we pray. Amen. There's a verse we're kind of pacing this whole series off of Running with the Giants. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses the picture is like there are literally hundreds thousands of people in heaven who've already lived this life and they are like in the stands now cheering for you you can make it if we could come back and tell you anything here's what we would say throw off everything that hinders you the sin that entangles you and run with perseverance don't quit see some of us i believe we are so close to God coming through, so close to God fulfilling things that you feel like He has promised to you, so close to seeing your dream happen. But the the difference between us getting there and not getting there is that word perseverance. See, God can't be faithful if we don't persevere. He can be. He there's nothing else. He he cannot be anything else but faithful. But we sometimes take a detour. I read the end of this verse and it says, "Run with perseverance the race marked out for us." Some of us are sitting here this morning and we're like, I'm not real happy with the race marked out for me. Not right here at this point. I mean, I'm not where I thought I would be at this stage of life. Anybody relate to that? If they could come out of heaven, they would just say, hang on. Where you are right now is not necessarily where you will end up. God is able to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. So just this message today is for everybody who's just a little bit discouraged about where they are in life right now, about the race that's been marked out for them. I think if Rahab could come and sit with us today and have coffee with us, the woman who went from being a prostitute to being a grandmother of Jesus in the line of Christ. Can you imagine Rahab in kindergarten? Do you think the teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you think she raised her hand and said, oh, I want to be a prostitute? (laughs) No, I'm sure her life was not turning out like she thought it was supposed to turn out. A lot of us, we had dreams and goals, and we're halfway through life thinking, God, what, a, what about my dream? What about my goal? Where are you in all of this? She would sit down, and I think one of the main things she would tell you is, calm down. Take a deep breath. Let God write your story. Just hand over the pen. Let him write your story. You know that Psalms 139 verse 16 says every day of your life was written in his book before one of them ever came to be. I know that's a hard a little bit hard for some of us to swallow because you think well then why have I why did my husband leave me why did this happen why did I suffer this abuse because sometimes we take the pen back from God and we we write a few chapters of our own story. Sometimes God writes our story with pain in it because he knows that pain is the only thing that's going to get your hard-headed self to the place that he needs you to be, to do the amazing things that he wants to do for you. So some of the things we took the pen and we caused, some of them we didn't cause. And those are the hard ones because that's when we have to trust that God is a God who's good and he is a God who is loving. See, you know that everything that makes us reject God is not really God. If God was standing here face to face with you today, I am convinced you would run to him. You would throw your arms around his neck. You would feel his love and his grace and his mercy. But there's a lot in life that we interpret as God that's not really God. There's a lot that people do to hurt us, and we blame God for it. A lot that family members do to hurt us, and we give God a lot that churches do to hurt us. And we misinterpret that as God. Most of what we reject about God is not God. I think Rahab would say that to us. God is loving and he is good. And I have experienced shame and dysfunction as great as, just about as great as any woman could ever experience it. And I'm telling you, if God could take my story and turn it around, just let him write your story. Turn over the pen and, and let him write it. How do you do that? It sounds great and figurative, but how do you like literally do that? Here's what I think Rahab would say to us. I think she would say, take a deep breath. God searches for you. You think it's all about you and what you're doing and what you're not doing and what's happened to you and what hasn't happened to you. Just calm down. We have a God that from page one in the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible is constantly pursuing us. He came to the garden looking for Adam and Eve. He knew they had messed up. He didn't care. He wanted to restore that relationship. He sent his son into the world while we were sinners. It says he knew we'd run and we'd reject him, but he constantly comes pursuing. You see, Rahab didn't go looking for God. She lived in a town called Jericho. God's people, the People of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness for forty years, and God had told them, "I'm going to give you this promised land. It's now time for you to go in and conquer the promised land. And we're going to start with a town called Jericho. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Remember a song that goes with that? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? Um, they were going to go into Jericho. They were going to start there, taking over the promised land. And when they went into the town, they just happened. I don't think it was on purpose unless it was to get information. They happened to go first into the house of Rahab, the prostitute. Now, these were men living under Jewish law. If they had taken part in any of that, they would have been killed, okay? I think they were there to get information. But imagine you're Rahab. You're running Uh, you're you're basically running a a prostitution camp. And you know you've heard about this God who's done these miracles and these great things, and you're afraid that your town is about to be annihilated. Do you think if you're Rahab that God is going to come looking for you? No. All of a sudden, God's people show up in her house at her door. Joshua 2 verse 1 says, then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two spies from Shittim. Go and look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. God found her. She didn't find him. Jesus said it this way in John fifteen sixteen. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go out and produce lasting fruit i want you to believe this morning because of the people that you're sitting next to and some of the stories that you're going to hear next week you saw richard who gave announcement some of you've heard richard's story lost everything that was dear to him and god said no nope, richard i'm not done with you i have a second half of your story to write i'm going to restore i'm going to give you a new wife i'm going to give you a new family i'm going to give you a new hope and richard has now Walked 70 men in our city through the redemption that he experienced from God. What if he had given up in his dark stage? I look at Ed and Susan and I think it's so ironic that they gave their life to like selling houses and real estate in our city. They're like the best of the best in the city at selling houses. No offense if you're in real estate. Ed is now the trainer of the real estate people. So he's not in competition with you. But, um, God is now using them in the second half of their life to feed every homeless person in our city? I mean, how ironic and crazy is that? Had they settled and said, this is enough, we have a nice, comfortable life, we can just keep selling houses. Um, God wants to use your giftedness, your passion, the things that you're good at. He wants to use your past mess And turn that all around to write a story that is greater than you can ever imagine. And you don't have to go looking for it. You just have to have faith. You just have to persevere. Just have hope that he is not done with you yet. When he is ready, he will come looking for you just like he did for Rahab. I think Rahab would say, calm down. God's going to come looking for you. Just calm down. All right? The second thing I think she would say is that God makes a way for us to be in his story. He makes a way to write you in. We're talking about a prostitute. If God can make a prostitute, the grandmother of Jesus, I promise you he can use your story to bring hope and salvation to someone else. The spies said to her, listen, She basically starts begging for her life, like, we're all afraid of you guys. We've heard about your God. We know that you're about to conquer us. Would you please spare my family? She just begs for her life. And they tell her, we will spare you if you will take this little scarlet cord, it's a red scarf, basically, and hang it in the window. It was symbol a symbol for the blood of Jesus that would cover us someday. And they said, Rahab, if you'll just put this scarlet cord in your window when we come, picture this. Anybody, any of you see the Georgia Dome come crashing down? Anybody watch that on TV and you saw the whole... Sh-? Okay, imagine the Georgia Dome coming crashing down, but one little spot standing. That's what God did for Rahab. The walls came crashing down like the Georgia Dome, but Rahab, who had this red scarf hanging out of her window. God allowed just her house, just the prostitute's house to stay standing. If that isn't God making a way, I don't know what is. He can do the impossible. Imagine being Rahab and it's like an earthquake and everybody's house has fallen down except for yours. It was a symbol to us that it doesn't matter what is coming crashing down in your life or in your home, if you are covered by the blood of Jesus, you will get through it. He will make a way. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is Psalm 77. This is one you like write down, write it on your mirror and lipstick. If you have to put it somewhere in your truck, you've got to have this one close by. Psalm 77 verse 19 says your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway nobody knew was there. See, what had just happened, the reason Rahab and Jericho were afraid is God had just done the unthinkable where his people were running away from Egypt. They're being chased by an army behind them, Pharaoh's army. In front of them is a sea, and they have nowhere to go. They're surrounded. Army behind me, sea in front of me. Some of us have been there in places of our life. Like literally tomorrow morning, you don't know which way to turn. And God just says, I'm going to take that sea and I'm going to part it in half. You're going to walk through on dry land. There's a pathway. You just don't know it's there. I really believe somebody needs to hear this morning that there is a pathway out of whatever you are in. You can't see it, but it is there. And God at just the right time, he will make a path that nobody knows is there and he will reveal it to you. At just the right time, I look at this building, and this building reminds me of that pathway. When we first came here to start my church, we couldn't find a place to have church. We had a few people, maybe 30, that wanted to have church. We had sold some stuff. We bought some chairs. We bought some sound equipment. But we didn't have money for a building. You know, we were kind of hoping to start church and maybe rent something. And we, we walked, the, the people who helped us with that original group, we walked every building in this city. I mean, every single one. We had a contract with the movie theater. And we're like, yes, we're going to have church at the movies. Wouldn't that be fun? Y'all get popcorn in your shoes every time you come. Um, The the movie theater changed their mind. They, they weren't going to do that. Then we had a contract with CSU, some legal problem, Then they changed their mind. So we're like, we're about to start my church, and we have no place to meet. We find this warehouse that has dirt on the floor, and we call and ask for the price, and we're like, oh, the price was like way out of our, I mean, we didn't even have money to put chairs in it hardly, so we definitely didn't have, you know, it was so funny, the guy on the other end said, well, how much money do you have? We're like, none <laughs> um, but we have this great idea what God's told us to start this church and it's gonna be awesome and you know he was just like thank you very much click so um, you know being the crazy people that we are we decided you know we're either gonna pack up and move somewhere else or we're just gonna call one more time we called one more time and that time we talked to the guy's wife and she said I'm gonna talk to the boss and we said well who's the boss your husband she goes nope God I'm gonna talk to God and then we'll call you right back. You know, we got a phone call back five minutes later. And this is, cra- those of you businessmen, I want you to hear this, this is crazy. Bud Allen, when y'all see him around town, y'all send him a note, you say thank you if your life has been changed here. Bud Allen, who is a shrewd, brilliant businessman in our city, said, I'm not just going to let you move into that building. I'm going to put up $100,000 of my own money to completely build it out like you would need to for a church. Now, sometimes businessmen will do that if you sign your life away for 5 or 10 years and promise to pay it all back. There was no contract. The contract we did finally get to sign said we could change our mind at any given time in 30 days and we could be out. We hadn't even had a service yet. There were no people. There was no church. And a shrewd businessman decides to put up $100,000 to get this building ready for something that doesn't exist. That was God making a pathway that nobody knew was there, that no businessman in their right mind would ever make that deal. God made that pathway so you could be here, so your story could be written. And I want to tell you in this phase, nine years in, when we're frustrated and we're ready to be out on that property in a new building and we're tired of this color on the wall and we're, you know, all complaining our kid's space is too small and it's hot in the summer and all that. Like, hold on. God made a pathway once. He will make a pathway again. And, oh, I have like 10 ideas for how God could do it. You know, don't you? God, you could do it this way. You could do it this way. No, no, no. Usually, it's not one that you have figured out. Usually, it's a pathway that nobody sees, that nobody knows is there. God will make a way to write you into his story. I think the next thing that Rahab would say to us is that God will always has more for you than you could ever imagine do you think you could believe that that God has more for you see Rahab she just begged for her life God spare my life don't let my family members die and God said I'm not just saving your life Rahab I am setting you up to be in the line of my son, Jesus. Rahab, I need you. I need a prostitute in the line of Jesus. So that 2,000 years from now, people sitting in the seats of my church would believe, if a prostitute can be in the line of Jesus, God can use my story too. She thought she was just getting her life saved, but God had so much more In store for her. Ephesians 3 20 says it. We just sang this, we sang this very verse just a few minutes ago. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. God wants to do so, you know, the stuff you're praying for? God, if you would just, God, if you would come through, if you would just send me, if you would just do this, if you would just remove this. He wants to do so much more. Than the ideas you have in your head. He is able to do that. He wants to do that. That's what Rahab would say to us. She never dreamed she'd be written into the story of Jesus. Never ever dreamed it. One of the coolest passages in all of Scripture is Matthew chapter one. Now I'll warn you this: if you ever try to read through the Bible and you get through the Old Testament, you're like, thank goodness I'm in like the New Testament that I can understand. It starts with a genealogy, all right? Not a very fun place to start. So-and-so was the son of so-and-so was the son of so, you know, all the way down. But what it is is it's the genealogy of Jesus. It's like 44 generations down to Jesus from Abraham to Jesus. And in that genealogy, there are like 42 grandfathers listed. There are four women in that genealogy, the line of Jesus, like literally he came through this line. And here they are. I want to read them to you. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. We don't have time for her story, but she has one of the ugliest stories of sexual abuse ever written into scripture. I'm telling you, if God can use her story, he can use yours. Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was an outcast himself, nobody liked him. Nobody wanted to hang out with him. He writes these these. S- messy stories right into the line of Jesus. He didn't make them up, they were there, but he wanted to make sure you saw them because in their culture, they didn't really care who the women and the grandmothers were. They would have listed the men normally. But Matthew goes to a lot of trouble to point out four women who have very messy stories. Just like him, the tax collector. So you would know if God can use them, he can use anybody. So Tamar is one of those. Then it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, our girl, the prostitute. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner. See, what Rahab did not know Was that just a few generations down from her, things were going to go bad in Israel. There was going to be a famine. And Israel was almost going to fall apart altogether. And a lot of people would leave and go to another country and marry other people from other countries. And they were losing hope. The line of Christ was in threat of being lost altogether. But God would work through one girl named Ruth who believed in him and was faithful and trusted him. She came back to Israel, and she needed somebody to rescue her and marry her. But who would want to marry a foreigner? Well, Boaz would, because guess who his mother was? Rahab, a foreigner. See, Rahab thought her story was all about her story, herself, (laughs) She had no idea that the decision she was making, the story God was writing, was going to impact generations to come. And God needed Rahab in his story because God needed Ruth in his story. And Ruth couldn't get in if Rahab didn't get in. You see how God works? I love, I sat here between services and I introduced this sweet, wife whose marriage is falling apart her husband's on drugs girl sitting behind her says here's my number come to my small group here's what she said she said we have a pot in our small group and we have written everything that we've been through divorce sexual abuse porn addiction I mean she was just naming them you know if your jaw hadn't dropped it can't drop any further she said we put that in the pot So that when new people come in, they can read it and they can know that their story is not too messy to be in this group. This is God's pot in Matthew chapter 1. He put these names in the pot so you could know that your story is not beyond his reach. He wants to do more than just save you for heaven. Listen, I think this is really important to us in Columbus, Georgia, because we live in the south, in the Bible Belt, where it's kind of cool to be a Christian. All right? We all have a Bible verse on our Instagram profile. I wholeheartedly believe that God did not save you to be a verse on your Instagram feed. He saved you for more. He wants to do more than you could ever ask or imagine, and it goes way beyond you just naming yourself as a Christian. No, he wants to use you to change the world. We've had people leave this church and start churches in Mexico. We've had people leave here and start all kinds of ministries. This is a sending place. We never wanted to be a place where everybody came and stayed and was comfortable. We wanted this to be a place where people came and their life was radically changed. And we send you out all over the world to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. We believe that is what God has planned for you. And sometimes some of you need to step up and step over so someone else can, can be put in your place. There are other people that would step up if you weren't in the way. What is God asking you to do? What is he asking you to step out to do? That is more than you could ever imagine. For someone else is more than they could ever imagine. You see? If Rahab hadn't been used, then Ruth couldn't have been used. And then we wouldn't have all these stories that encourage us to not give up. I think if Rahab was here, she'd say, God has so much more that he wants for you. The last thing I think she'd say to us, because, you know, we tend to put it on, we turn this all back into like, well, what do I do? How do I get this more from God? And I think Rahab would say, just take a deep breath and calm down. Just say yes. When God pursues you, when he comes your way, just say yes. Sometimes it starts with little things. Maybe you feel like God's been just when they talk about small groups, you, you just have this like something you can't swallow and you feel like, I know I have a story. I could help people, but I'm busy. Allison Judah, I don't know if she's here today, but she's the greatest story ever. She is so the busiest mom I know, runs a family business, works full time at another job, has girls involved in everything. She always said, I never had time. How many of you have been in Allison's small group? Greatest ever small group leader, is she not? Who thought she could never do that, ever, ever? Some of you need to be a small group leader. God wants to do more through you, but you won't know what it is until you say yes to him. See, there's this myth that we have to have our act all together before we can be used by God. I remember I had a little running partner, and she said to me one time, well, God can't use me, you know, I don't know if you know this, but my husband and I, we're we're pretty much drunk all weekend. I'm like, no, God wants to use you. He wants to show you how powerful he is and that he can transform your story. And maybe if you'd start holding the door out here, then maybe you'd sober up by Sunday morning. You don't have to be perfect for God to use you. That is a lie of our enemy, and that is a myth that we have to have it all together before we only have to be able to say a three-letter word, and that's yes. God, I don't know why you want me. But if God can use a prostitute and put her in the line of Jesus, he can use you. Hebrews 12.2, the verse after the verse we've been using for this series, says, Look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising that shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus is not just the author of your story. He doesn't just want to write it. He's also the finisher. You aren't the finisher. Isn't that good news? He's the finisher. He wants you to say yes and give him the pen, and he will finish the story. I believe wholeheartedly that God has more for you in what's left of your life than what you've already lived. I believe that. All we have to do is fix our eyes on him, and he will be the author, and he will be the finisher. And if Rahab could have coffee with you this week... I think she would say, calm down. God's searching for you. He's going to make a way to write you into his story. It's going to be more than you ever thought it could be, so get ready to be a little uncomfortable. But he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he is full of surprises, isn't he? You come back next week and you hear some stories of how God surprised some of us in ways we cannot imagine. And it's not just for the people in Hebrews 11. And it's not just for the people that we will put on stage next week. He wants that for each and every one of you. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what he did in Hebrews, he also wants to do for you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you and we... Invite your son, Jesus, to be the author and the finisher of our stories. God, thank you that when we walk into a place that is full of your presence, we don't have to cover up who we are and what our story was. God, you say, what we uncover, you'll cover and you'll use. So God, we come to you And as we get ready to worship in one more song, we just want to say that we believe that you have more for us and that you have a story that is greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine. Help us to have the guts and the faith to say yes to it. Amen.
1: Y'all, what a a great message of... um of God's sovereignty and our faith and our perseverance and how all that works together. And I kind of got, it's like I got a couple of things just in listening to, to Christy at the last part of that message that God wants more for us. <clears throat> and I, and I f- thought about something that I read last week, and I, I hope I don't butcher the quote, but he said, God wants you to get where God wants you to get more than you want to get where God wants you to get. And that's and it's because he loves us that much. And the the other thing I thought Christy was talking through a little bit of of Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy and and I'm one of those weird guys that I love. That's like one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible because I want to study each one of those guys and each one of those women just to get this perfect image of the way that God uses all of us, right in the middle of our unlovableness, right in the middle of us being jacked up and broken, He can use us to paint just the most beautiful picture ever. And so I just want y'all to think about that. Uh, about that this week, we are—I want to call our host teams because we're at a, a time of our service where, um, where we're going to worship through giving. And I, and I know—I don't know a lot, but I know this: I know that God wants us to trust Him. A lot of times we'll trust, him with, uh, we'll trust Him with our lives, we'll trust Him with our relationships, we'll trust Him with work, and we'll sit to get on our knees and pray because we want to get this or get that. But one of the, the, the hardest things that all of us will trust Him with, it's usually the last thing that we'll trust Him with, and that is with our stuff, with our money, with our finances. And so I would challenge every single one of us to step out, and to trust Him with our finances. I want to pray. We're going to take an offering. I want to pray over, over that. Lord, we, we love You today. Um, Lord, I pray that You will let all of us uh, trust You with our stuff. Lord, we pray that that as we take up this offering, that You're going to take it and You're going to use it to build Your kingdom. You're going to do incredible things with the, uh, with the ministries in my church for... Uh, Uh, Things in our city and things in our state You're going to multiply all of that You're going to do great things uh, Even in the world And Lord we we thank you uh, And we love you and we commit that all to you In Jesus name